Praise the Lord, we're getting straight into it today, which is fantastic. Welcome to everybody here to, uh, today. Um, so uh, for those people who have come along here uh, perhaps for the first time uh, or haven't been here for some time, typically we uh, do make sure that people, you know, a few people get a chance to, uh, to talk about uh, the things that God's done for them because that actually uh, uh, gives... When you start to hear about the stories that have happened in people's lives, uh, to do with their conversion, to do with the way of thinking that they had uh, uh, in their in their, their life before, whether they were uh, religious, irreligious, atheistic, uh, uh, agnostic, you know, so just unsure about what they were doing, there's a conversion experience that's available for everybody that actually changes people's opinions, it changes people's understanding of things. And, uh, and that's actually something that's necessary for each and every one of us that we get help with our understanding. We've got a theme today, and it's actually called The Trial of Your Faith. The Trial of Your Faith. And I've got a byline that goes along with that about faith. It's not fairy dust. Okay, faith is not fairy dust. Sometimes people have a bit of an opinion to do with faith about, well, some people have it and just some people don't. Everybody else seems to have more faith than I do. I don't know if anybody's ever felt that way, that other people appear to have more faith. They just seem to be able to believe for everything and everything they believe for comes to pass and then I have struggle believing for the littlest thing. And it can be for some people, some of the statements that you hear from people, I seem to have a lot of faith if I'm praying for somebody else more so than if I'm praying for myself, that sort of thing. And perhaps that's been some of your, your thoughts as well. About faith, so what do some people think about faith? Well, for some, it's just that they expect some good things to come. That's about what's going to come. Um, for, some, for, for, for some people, they say, I just can't seem to generate it. They think that there's something that they're able to sort of hook into where it's a little bit uh, uh, like uh, you, you, you want to hook up a, a car that's not going to a battery. If I could only get a jump start, then something might get me going. We want to look at a couple of things today to do with faith. And we want people to consider about uh, the phrase, and we'll look at it uh, very shortly, about the trial of our faith. And it's not trial as in singular, there's trials. There's all sorts of things. And sometimes people think it's just to do, well, if people are going through a hard time just because of illness or just because of some circumstance, but I believe there's a whole heap more than that. Let's find the phrase first in 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1. Something we do want to forecast to people, if you're along here for the first time or you're fairly new in things, there's opportunities to increase your faith. And for me, yeah, sometimes that means an, an expectation that things are able to happen that otherwise we wouldn't have been able to expect. We'll just start reading in First uh, Peter uh, chapter 1, in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, I mean, born again, and to a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And, and what, what is it that we get? To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. 
who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, is ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Through manifold temptations. I'll make a little comment about the manifold temptations in just a moment. But verse 7 says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So the trial of our faith, the things that we go through, is something that God takes notice about how we go through them. And of course his promise is to help us through all sorts of things. I was looking up this morning, and actually that verse 6, where it talks about, you greatly rejoice that now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. When I looked up you know, the, the, the manifold temptations, it actually, in the, in the concordance, it uses the word motley. Motley temptations. A motley just means various in character. Motley is actually the name of a costume as well. Motley is the name of the traditional costume of the court jester or the fool or the harlequin in one of the plays that was written. So it's got all sorts of parts and components to it. So uh, motley temptations. And boy, if, if that garment is put together in some forms, some people try to give it some sort of symmetry, but it can look all over the place, that's for sure. All sorts of temptations. And so the trial of our faith. I might come back at the end just a little bit more, just straight after that. If you go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, plenty of people here will understand where I'm going to on this. We want to get a little understanding of this idea of faith. And sometimes people will say, I wish I had more faith. But the way that they're actually framing that is almost a little bit like, I wish I was taller. To sort of say, you know, there's, there's something I wish for, but it's actually totally out of my control. And so then they dismiss it and they excuse themselves. I actually can't do that. I'm not up to it. Let's just have a little look here just about what some people would say, a little bit more of a, a definition of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, and in the, in the King James, it can take a little bit of digging into about what's being said here. In chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that uh, scripture was the one that I actually got put onto my uh, Bible cover when I was asked uh, yeah, what scriptures actually sort of grabbed my attention. Because uh, as a number of people know, uh, I've been a science teacher <laughs> a number of decades now, as it turns out. And uh, I wasn't brought up uh, as a religious person as such. And my opinion had been that things like faith are just sort of such a nebulous sort of thing. You can make it to be anything that you want. And people talk about the faith of their upbringing. And it might be that oh, I was born a Catholic or a Muslim or a Hindu or something. Like that, and that's my faith. Well, that's not actually what faith is about. Faith is not about just a declaration of, 
uh, the position that uh, somehow my family chose for me. That's not my faith. When I saw the words here about substance and evidence, it was obvious that there's something a whole heap deeper about faith than just some sort of you know, good feeling about things. The word faith here, and in so many other places in the in the Bible, to a large degree, it just means about our persuasion. What have we been persuaded about? So, of course, it's then to do with what our, our belief is. And what have we now found things to be believable that we weren't able to believe before or we couldn't get our head around before? And so we can end up with a conviction or a firmly held belief. Now, a persuasion drives believability. We become persuaded because of things that we see or things that we learn, and then we can begin to believe things. But it doesn't stand alone. There's got to be a reason to connect with it. In another version, it says that faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for. That means we've become assured of these things. This is now what I believe, says the conviction of things not seen. There are some things there that we haven't seen yet. Do you know, uh, <clears throat> the word faith is used, uh, uh, one uh, reference told me, about 244 times in the Scriptures in 231 verses. Do you know, in the Old Testament, there's only two verses that talk about faith. There's only two verses that have got the word faith in them. And one of them was in Deuteronomy. We weren't just, just sort of settling ourselves here uh, because very soon we're going to have some people talking about their trial of faith. And we're going to be interested in that. In the Old Testament, the two verses, the first one comes in Deuteronomy chapter 32 for those people that are taking some notes to have a look afterwards. In verse 20, it says, And he said, I'll hide my face from them, and I'll see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. You could read it, children that are not yet established. They haven't actually worked out what they should be believing yet. In an abstract way, uses the word trustworthiness. They haven't actually got the trust to follow what I tell them to do. They haven't actually developed that in themselves yet. Perhaps they hadn't seen enough evidence, they hadn't believed enough evidence, they've been distracted from the evidence. The other one is in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, and it talks about, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. It says, But the just shall live by his faith. And that word there, it means by his firmness. He's going to have stability. He's going to have steadiness. Today we want to talk about, and get just from a, a few people to, to make a contribution here, the things that try our faith. The things that we read about there in First Peter chapter 1, that the Lord values that we work our way through. Before we get other people up here, 
I'm going to go through a few things that I thought of that can actually be a bit of a trial of your faith. And I want to think, I want you to think for yourselves, what are the things that have been a challenge to you? So a lot of people, you know, so, so, so we'll put this under the heading of some of the Motley Crew. Okay? Actually, actually, there was a band at one time called Motley Crew as well. I don't know how many people followed that one there. So some of the Motley Crew, when things go bad, now that can be to do with health, can't it? That can be to do with other circumstances, to do with finance, to do with all sorts of things. And people get to a stage where they're distracted from things of belief. Do you know, a trial for some people of faith is actually when nothing ever goes bad and life is just going along and they don't have any challenges that forces them to be brought back to be thinking about the Lord. And they can fill their life with all sorts of things and they can go down the track and they can find a long, long way down the track. Boy, I'm a long way from the Lord. Everything's been so good. I haven't actually done anything to, to develop faith. And people start then asking questions about what do you believe in and why. Well, oh, I'm not really quite sure anymore. It's a long time since I've visited that. When things are too good for us, we can end up not necessarily being faithful. Challenges, things that throw, things that throw us as well. If somebody else doesn't live up to our expectations, something the Bible identifies, we go on for a long time. So where's the promise of his coming? Everyone keeps talking about the Lord returning. Well, he hasn't returned, has he? I find it hard to keep believing that he's going to, depending on the circumstances. If we've become offended, offense can be to do with other people, but offense can be also people find some things in the word of God. They're offended by the word. I think I can't, I, that doesn't sit comfortably with me. And they get distracted, their mind goes in other directions. To do with when people have become bitter, or people are heartbroken, or others, the cares of this world is a summary that's put in the scriptures. Some people are just too analytical. They go over things and they go in this sort of spiral and round in circles. So much they end up with then self-doubt or doubting what other things have been told. A trial for us can be our habits. Our habits don't include the Lord enough. A trial for some of us can just be procrastination. I know exactly what I should be doing. You're getting close to the Lord, but I never get around to it. Can be things to do with our enemies, can be things to do with our friends. This is my friend, but I know that they're not doing things that I'm comfortable with, but I want them as my friend. How do I deal with that? Things to do with family, maybe religious upbringing. A trial for our faith can be our intellect. And it can be a real challenge whether it's too high or whether it's too low. And we've got a really high intellect. We're forever thinking about everything else and we get fixated on things forever. And again, oh, it's a long time since I actually got fixated about things to do with the Lord. We can judge ourselves as having a low intellect. 
and be thinking, oh, I don't understand everything that the other people understand, so I obviously can't have the same faith that they have either. All of these things are challenges at different times, maybe coming little episodes. Ambition might be a challenge. It might be you've got other things that happen in your body, ADHD. And why have I got this? And that's along with other sicknesses and so on. Why have I got this? We might have a bit of an unstable mind. The Bible tells us that both poverty and riches can be faith-destroying. Both of them can be. I'm too aware of my imperfections. And I think about those all the time. And the scriptures talk about lust of the eyes, the flesh, the pride of life as a great big sort of uh, big area. So what about you and me? All together, we probably identify a fair, a fair number of the Motley crew team. The sort of things that actually we really do struggle with a bit at times. I want you to bring your thoughts back to though, what we said about, and it's the, uh, the, the most common word to do with faith is actually to do with our persuasion. Our persuasion. Our persuasion doesn't come because we were just born into something. It doesn't come that way. It comes because of things that we've learned, that we've understood, because of what we've experienced, and things that lead us to a position of an expectation. Now, we've invited a couple of people today to come and uh, to have some thought about the things that were their trials of faith. And we've got a couple of age groups and a, a couple of different people here. So the, uh, the first different person that we'll have up here, we've actually asked Jed Capon to come up and tell us. We've got a number of age groups. You see, it does not matter how old we are. There's things that we wonder about and there's things... Although they, Jed, Jed's one of these clever young men that he might be able to work his way through things. And I'm just interested to hear what he's got to say. Hello, oh, I'm Jed. Yeah. Um, so I guess being brought up in a in a fully Christian family and knowing all the things of the Lord, I had uh, God with me throughout my childhood and through school and everything. I received the Holy Spirit when I was five, and it's, He's just always been there. My faith has been strong um, all through, and I guess I haven't really had to deal with too many trials because it's always been there. But um, I guess when I was uh, when I moved. When I moved schools, I kind of switched from the geeks who didn't really care what I believed and they accepted me for who I was, basically. And I came to this new school and there's a whole lot of different kids and I'm in a, I'm in a whole other war zone and I'm trying to figure out everything. And I get, um, I become friends with guys who probably don't have the best expectations for me. Um, and I kind of, I was thinking about, I was like, um, you know, should I, should I be living up to these expectations? Um, do I, do I want to keep these friends? And I realized that, well, God has his expectations and I think it's better that I would obviously follow God's expectations. And I made that clear pretty quickly as soon as I got to the school and I'm still able, I'm still friends with a lot of these kids. But they, they know where I am. And I guess, um, through that, I was able to witness to a whole lot of my friends. And I guess that, that's, that strengthened my faith. 
and it kind of helped me realize how actually amazing um, our experience is. Um, and I'd like to praise the Lord. I couldn't have it any other way. Fantastic. Praise the Lord. So we find ourselves in different circumstances, don't we? And all of a sudden we've got to readjust where, we're, where we are at. We've got to work out the expectations. And part of what Jed found was as he tries to talk to other people, that helps to cement himself. So if we're worried about how to cement ourselves, well, that's actually a big key to the whole thing. Okay, our sister Larissa, if you could come up straight away, that would be great. It may be when people near you earlier on and they said that, uh, oh, look, a bit of, this was a bit of a trial to me and stuff, you might have sort of thought, oh, that wouldn't have been a trial for you. You're stronger than that and that sort of thing. But we all know ourselves. Thanks, Larissa. Well, praise the Lord. Well, I have like, faced persecution. Um, so when I was new in the Lord, I didn't really think much about Christians being persecuted. And then when it started happening to me, like I wondered, why is this happening to me? Why are people putting me down? Um, like when I witness people, why are people challenging me? What is this all about? Like I didn't really understand because I thought like, oh, I've done what the Bible says, I've been born again. I thought just, you know, I'm happy. Like I, and I was happy even when those like things were happening and people put me down or challenged me. I was like, well, I still am happy because I'm in the Lord, but I was just wondering like, why is this happening? So I just like, um, read scriptures and then I the answers are always in the Bible and you read about how like Paul went through so much and then you read scriptures about like um to be an overcomer. And when you read all these encouraging scriptures you just you feel like, okay, well, I can overcome this. These things can happen. It can happen to anybody. But praise the Lord, like it's happened it happened worse than like other people like Paul and many other people like in this world so like I you know some people being not nice to me but but praise the Lord like you know like I'm just happy that I have the truth in my life and and I have my joy in the Lord and I know that I can be an overcomer because this world is just temporal so and just to look forwards to the future of eternity with the Lord and thinking about those things as well even that's like you know a bit hard to comprehend we're going to be in eternity <laughs> but praise the lord like just do you know push forward and know that you know the lord's always with you with whatever you go through and he went through so much for us so we can go through things for him so praise mm. the lord amen fantastic thanks larissa for that and it might come out as a little bit of a common theme that uh, the thing that uh, that that, that an, an end of people's faith or a continuing and a strengthening thing is that building expectation for what's going to come into the, uh, the the future. Now, our next person just have a, uh, a little chat on some things. Uh, needs no introduction, but we'll introduce him anyway. Eddie Branson, bring yourself up here. Eddie actually prides himself on testing other people's faith. He, he thinks that's part of you know one, one of one of God's gifts that's given to him. It is. It's my job, isn't it, to uh, keep people on their toes, so to speak. And it comes from my upbringing in the uh, Enfield area when I first came to the Lord, when we had this area leader called David Sharma. <laughs> I don't think I've ever recovered since. Anyway, praise the Lord. For most of you, just um, just as a quick introduction, Pastor David said I was allowed to read a couple of scriptures. I'll uh, I'll mention two. But as for many of you are aware that um, about 20 years ago, things became fairly difficult in my family because uh, of things that went on. And... Uh, that really did become a trial of my faith, and um, and it 
it, well, obviously it has been an ongoing type of thing. But through it all, and, and I often say to people that probably what happened at that time was the best thing that ever happened for my walk in the Lord because it caused me to be more prayerful. It caused me to read the Word of God a lot more and um, try to get an understanding of what I had. But when the trial first uh, happened, I uh, went through a whole lot of thinking processes about how I would be able to deal with it, and I can tell you quite honestly that none of them were spiritual and in turn not very clever. And uh, But I... I was able to, having gone through that and thought it through, realize that those options are actually not options and that uh, obviously uh, keeping my eyes on the Lord was was the way to go. And um, so the first scripture, just quickly, that I'll just refer to particularly, that through through my trial I've had the privilege of being able to share my testimony with people and have come up with some scriptures, I guess not come up with them, it's probably not quite right way to put it, but... Um, as a practical sort of a person, I was, I was able to read some scriptures and understand the practicalities of it and in turn share that. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 is a scripture that automatically comes to mind when talking to people about it. It says, There is no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, that there's maybe eight lines there. If you read that in the Amplified Version, you'll find that there are many promises in that in that verse that I was able to, to catch on to and in turn realise that I ended up naming that scripture two, two things. I gave it two, two, uh, two titles. The first one was there is, it's a no-excuse scripture. The Bible tells me that there's nothing in there that's going to come upon me in my life that's going to, I guess, in fairness, be able to justify myself for not taking a spiritual course. And the other part of it was, what am I learning about myself through this trial? Because at the end of the day, I believe we need to. The Bible talks about being renewed in our minds. We need to be changed and are changed by the Holy Ghost and we need to grow in that spirit and in those ways. And those ways are this book. So that there's a lot that I could talk about that, but just for the sake of today and for time, the scripture that I that really um, opened things up for me, I guess in a way, and Pastor David's topic, the trial of our faith, I, I'd find myself saying to people, it's not a question of your faith, it's a trial of your faith. And the trial is, which path are you going to take? Are you going to take the spiritual path or you're going to take the natural path. That's the trial. It's not the actual thing that's going on. The trial is the path you'll take. And obviously we know. And so that scripture, the scripture that comes to mind always is Philippians 2 verse 12. And it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will to do his good pleasure. And I'd find people would talk to me about working out their own salvation in fear and trembling almost as a justification for actually not doing the right thing. You know, they'd sort of be, it would be like an excuse. Well, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. I'm at the pub drinking, but I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. That's not exactly what it's about. When you read it in the Amplified, it says, therefore, my dear ones, as you have 
always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I'm absent, work out, and then it says cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe, trembling, self-distrust really struck me when I read this first time. That means not using your natural mind, that means using the spirit. It says, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God. You know, there are just some tips in here that help us to understand that whilst there are two paths, the path to take, the trial of your faith, is the spiritual one. And it says, that might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. And and then verse 13, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectively at working in you, energising and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Again, it says not in your own strength. So prayerfully, we go through our trial. We listen to the testimonies. We listen to the talks. We read the word of God. I believe the things that we do at home are the things that complement what we do here, not the other way around. We don't just pray here and do something at home or nothing at home. We need to be making sure we're praying, we're reading, we're understanding these scriptures. And through all of this, I was able to change. Some of you might not think that any of that's happened, but that's another story. But at the end of the day, it was me understanding what I'm about, who I am, what I was learning through this trial, and how I could apply these scriptures to my trial. The Bible tells us that when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we have faith. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you have faith. It's not a question of whether you don't or do not. It's Galatians 5 tells us, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you have faith. Jude 20 tells you you can build that faith up. And that's what we do by coming here, by praying, by reading. And I'll leave it at that, otherwise you'll kick me off or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic quote. Well, thanks for that, uh, Ed. So uh, a little bit of a, a focus there for people about, well, work out your salvation. And, and Eddie uh, brought it back to the scriptures. Is what is it I'm supposed to be persuaded about? It's the what. And we find those things, when we're persuaded about it, we actually then we do have faith. It's just the way that it works. If we just have a look at... Um, just go to uh, Matthew chapter 6, just briefly with me. You see, Eddie said about growing through the things as well. There's a little phrase that I did pick up uh, when I was uh, uh, looking through these thoughts, and it is to grow through what you go through. Okay, to go through things doesn't actually destroy you. To go through things... You know, sometimes people say about whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. There's not much comfort for some people to go through something very terrible at the moment. And, and we, we don't minimise. But some circumstances are enormously difficult. They really are. But the encouragement that you are going to get from the Word of God is a bit in that way, and Eddie did really express it, about to grow through the things that you go through. Do you know... Um, Jesus Christ himself five times, he talked to people and he used the phrase, O ye of little faith, O ye of little faith. As I started off saying there today, faith is not fairy dust. It's not that. that Some people got a big sprinkling and others haven't got very much sort of sitting on them and that sort of thing. 
they try to fly, but they just sort of don't get anywhere or anything. It's not like that at all. Oh, ye little faith. And he uses it here. This is, this is one of the five times. It's always, it's always Jesus Christ and in the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30, Jesus there talking to his disciples and saying, Wherefore, if God so clothes, clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You could read that just simply as, O ye of little confidence. You haven't developed the confidence yet. So it's not a matter of you haven't got the answer, you haven't worked it through, you haven't got the state of mind, and that's the end of the sentence. Oh, well, you haven't got it yet. And that's, that's always the case. You just haven't got it yet. And if people follow the advice of the people that have actually spoken so far, then you do get it. You bring things back to the Word of God. There's things I, I, have, to, I have to work out the expectations. I have to find out what's important. Jesus went on to say, Take no thought, saying, What you eat, shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or where we shall be clothed. He says, For after all these things, to the Gentiles seek. These are the people with no tradition in following God. They didn't have the mindset. They didn't have, they didn't have the framework of thinking. It says, Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. And then the advice, But seek first the kingdom of God. Put your mind onto the kingdom of God. Find out about the kingdom of God. Learn about it. Test it. Find out from others that seem to have more confidence about it and talk with the things about the kingdom of God. Seek the first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then it says, all these things shall be added unto you. In Job 23, I'll just quote one verse. He says, but he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, people end up setting themselves about where they want to be ultimately. Can we uh, turn, just before we just have our next bit, James chapter 1. Just starting in verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Well, there will be some trials. It says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience or persistence. We've already heard that there today. We get tried, but then, oh, we end up learning something. We actually become a bit stronger in things because we've had to think about it. It says, but let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So all those things, I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet. Oh, I'm gradually ticking the box. I feel a bit better about that one now. I'm on my way. Then it says, if any of you lack wisdom, well, ask God. Bring yourself back to God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it will be given him. But then it says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. You've got to be persuaded about what you're asking for. And you'll only become persuaded when you know that it's really, truly available. And you'll hear that in testimony. You'll gain that because of knowledge from the Word of God 
another experience in your life. It says here the wave is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. It says, let, uh, uh, for let not that man think he will receive anything of the Lord. It says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we work through to the point where we're not double-minded. We're not thinking, well, maybe this, maybe that. We've got to be persuaded, and then we can have confidence. And just jumping down to verse 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So it's actually to do with God's faithfulness and his assurance. We got one other person just to uh, to talk and uh, uh, about uh, uh, their own uh, thoughts to do with uh, faith, and and I know I know he's been thinking hard about it all. So our brother uh, uh, Nick Benwell is going to come and talk just about his own his experience and his thoughts about the trial of faith. Okay, well, um, yeah, I suppose uh, I've just come here to talk about where I was at and where I am now. So um, if I just uh, look back to uh, the start of 2012, um, I had no need of this wheelchair. I was a fit and healthy uh, 29-year-old guy um, living with a good mate in a uh, nice suburb just east of the city. Um, I was single and had a, um, a good job that paid well and uh, had it sort of allowed me to have a lot of free time to, uh, um, you know, to, to get into uh, expensive hobbies and, and sports and holidays and that sort of thing. So things were pretty good and pretty carefree. Um, I never had a belief in God, and I um, didn't have any sort of upbringing with God. I just, uh, I suppose my simple thoughts on the subject was that, you know, God was just an, an outdated concept uh, that had since been proved wrong through modern-day science and technology, but it was never something I'd looked into myself. Um, so later on that year, uh, midway through, I had an accident that left me paralysed from the shoulders down. Um, it was at this point where I started fr- frantically trying to find a, um, a solution to the problem, I suppose. And I started delving into all kinds of um, uh, different theories and philosophies and, and research uh, just to sort of try and find something out there. But every time I delved further into things, I just found myself um, uh, coming to a dead end every time. And that's when our pastor from the church here, um, he come and uh, spoke to me about divine healing uh, through the Bible. And um, he sort of, he, he ended up coming with uh, uh, cases where he knew people personally that have had miraculous healings um, through the uh, belief in God and, and in the Bible. And although I didn't still believe that it was God behind all this, I did think there was something there in the Bible. So I just um, looked a bit further into it. So this led on to um, months of him coming in uh, every Monday to see me in rehab and just sort of uh, telling me more things and explaining more things and then eventually led on to go into a couple of meetings. Around about this time, my mum come in to me and uh, told me how my sister had slipped into a uh, deep state of depression. She was only 19 and um, she um, had just uh, dropped out of university and she turned to alcohol abuse and... Um, she was doing that daily, uh, just just uh, getting on the on the drink by midday, and uh, was quite drunk through the afternoon just to try and numb down what she was going through. So um, she was also starting to do things that weren't so nice to herself, and we we're getting quite worried. And it was a weekend 
coming up where um, mum was working. So we decided to um, see if she wanted to come to a meeting with me. She come along to the meeting that Sunday and after a, and then after that she decided to come back to the next one and after about three Sundays she decided to get baptised. Um, I saw her come out of the water speaking in tongues as she received the Holy Ghost and um, she just was a different person going home with her that night in the taxi. Um, she uh, All the alcohol abuse left, um, you know, all the other dreadful things she was doing with herself they all went, she returned to university, passed with distinctions, and these days she's um, uh, seven years on, she's now happily married in the Lord, living up on the Sunshine Coast, she's a nurse in uh, Noosa Private Hospital, and just rejoicing in the Lord, and, and really enjoying life. Um, so three weeks after this, my mum, three weeks after her baptism, my mum come along, she got baptised, I saw her come out the water speaking in tongues, as she received the Holy Ghost, and she had a life sort of pretty well under control but um she just she just um, like her whole weight lifted off her shoulders she become this happy uh, boisterous person uh full of energy and and she's still the same today seven years on so now i had these two telling me that this thing was true and god was true so i started looking into the bible um as i delved um into it i was really looking for discrepancies and a reason to not believe um i suppose and 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 just find any I just really wanted to know that what I was looking into was um, was true. So I just found that every discrepancy I found um, just kept getting proven wrong. I brought it up with the pastors and elders, and, and they said sometimes that I was bringing stuff up that they had never looked into themselves. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, um, everything uh, was explained through the talks um, or through a further study, and um, the Bible just continued to prove itself true. I then looked at the scientists and what they were trying to say and, and I just found holes in all of their theories and um, at the end of the day um, uh, with all of that I just found that science and technology of today was actually proving the Bible right when I thought the opposite was happening. Um, so that's sort of been my journey and now seven years on I'm still here, still coming to, uh, still coming here every Sunday and I am still sitting in this wheelchair. Um, so if you told me back when I first looked into these things that I'd uh, still be coming seven years on without receiving the healing that I initially come looking for, I would have said that that's not right. I, won't, I wouldn't be here. Um, but I am. And that's because I've now had my own personal experience with God. And um, like my mum and my sister, um, I now have a, a total conviction that God is true, the Bible's true and that he's coming back to this earth one day soon to collect all those that have remained faithful to the end, to take them on through to this um, new realm that we just can't even begin to imagine what that's going to be about. And um, now that's become the most important thing in my life, is uh, having myself ready and prepared for that day. Um, so I count myself quite fortunate that I'm even in the position to, uh, to, to be in this situation now, where this is where I'm putting my focus and my importance uh, with the hope of securing the prize because there was a time in my life uh, where I nearly missed out on all these opportunities. Um, I've too been given the liberty of sharing a few scriptures, so we can turn to Matthew chapter 19, if you like. And um, this is just a conversation that Jesus had uh, with a particular man um, um, just in uh, relation to eternal life. 
And I'm just going to start down Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which, Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honour thy father and thy mother, and uh, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, unfortunately, um, at the time of this conversation, um, it, it appears that this man had much more importance placed in his possessions than his relationship with God, and I'm sure Jesus saw that this was going to get in the way of his uh, uh, relationship and possible salvation. And um, I, I look at this case, and I just I hope that it was a stage in this uh, guy's life that he was able to turn his focus around, um, as as I was able to. But um, I look at this um, uh, this account and just think. I was uh, in a very similar situation uh, myself before my accident. So um, I just want to bring up a few photos. So I'll bring up the first photo there. See it? And um, just bring them up now. Yep, so um, this is actually uh, me just um, around 2012. Uh, motorbikes were a big part of my life, and that's where I put my emphasis. Um, this is what I was doing with myself on my weekends. And this is uh, definitely where I put the importance. I'd been on bikes for a long time, and um, and enjoyed them very much, and wasn't interested in too much else out of there. Um, when I wasn't on the road, next photo, I was on the dirt, and uh, when I wasn't on the dirt, next photo, I was on the track. So I was um, I was uh, in, into a lot of these things. Next one's coming up. Yep, there we are. So um, yeah, they, these are. Is that the one up there? No. So, um, yeah. So anyway, this is uh, what I used to do with myself, and um, I just thought things were going to be good um, for for you know a long time. I couldn't see any problem with my life, and uh, I had my trust in these things and the the riches and the possessions that I had myself. Um, we'll go to the next slide. Um, next photo. Now, which one we got? We got that one. Okay, well, I had a, um, next one. I'll go to the one before the crash site. Oh, so, sorry, which one? You want, you, want the, you want the crash site? I want the crash site. Okay. All right, we got it? All right, I've got a mirror here. Um, so, anyway, uh, midway through 2012, um, on a Sunday afternoon, the 3rd of June, uh, when most of you were sitting in this room about to take communion, um, I got flung off my motorbike and I was left there, um, paralyzed from the shoulders down. I had to hit, uh, hit head first into the ground and, um, I was unable to move, um, anything at all. So just waiting for help to arrive. Um, we'll go to the next photo. I was then left, left in this hospital bed, uh, for the next three months. I couldn't eat, couldn't talk, couldn't breathe on my own and obviously couldn't move. Um, I just had three months there of terminal, turmoil. Um, just going back thinking about, you know, all the things that I'd now missed out on in life, 
all the simple luxuries that I've given up uh, because I place more importance on this. I've got to say, I was um, I, I was warned many times by my mum as a nurse um, where this uh, this choice of high high paced sports could end up, and I just ignored the warnings and went through to um, went through with this. So all I could do right now in this bed was sit here and think about um, you know the decision I'd made and uh, just struggled with the fact that I could not go back and reverse this decision. So I can drop those photos off now. Um, so the Bible also talks of a time when there is going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth and it's really just going to be a, um, a, a time of people that are going to be upset that they've missed out on the uh, promises that God's put before them uh, because they've got their emphasis in the wrong spot and I really feel like I've had a real-life example of uh, what that feels like, and I don't want to miss out on that again. So my focus is really just on that right now. So I'll um, turn to a, another scripture. Um, we'll go to First Corinthians chapter 7. And uh, just looking down in verse 29. Now this chapter is just uh, talking about um, give instructions around marriage, but Paul wraps it up down the bottom and just gives us a bit of a reminder. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they that weep not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. So, um, of course, I'd love to get a, a natural healing this life and get out of this wheelchair, but that's definitely not where the uh, the, the focus is. Um, I take comfort in the fact that knowing the time is short, so whatever does happen in this life, um, I'm just uh, know that at the end of the day, if I just hold fast to my faith, it's all going to be worth it in the end. So that's it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for that, uh, Nick. If, uh, if you folks would all just turn quickly with me to Mark chapter 16, as Nick finished up there, it's about keeping your eye on the prize and where things are actually going to uh, end up. Now we read before about in James about uh, asking in faith, nothing wavering. Nothing wavering, that's a challenge to each and every one of us. But that implies to us that we have to continually build our reasons for believing. And that typically means we actually do need to know what the promises are in the Word of God. To secure those things, we do need to have the Spirit of God that keeps us connected to God and we learn from that and so on. But we also need to be in a state of trying to persuade others because if we can find ways to persuade others, then we'll be always persuading ourselves. That means we'll always be talking faith or we'll be hearing it concerning our ourselves ourselves <clears throat> and, the, and the basis for all of that confidence will be experience and there'll be evidence that comes in a person's life that's defiant against doubt and you build knowledge and those things are important you know faith is not a belief without proof there's not a blind it's not a blind faith the book of isaiah chapter one talks about well let's come and reason together god says let's work it out but for those people who come along today and you think how do I connect in? I don't really know enough about God yet. I actually couldn't make a confident statement about my position with God. Well, praise the Lord, Jesus Christ gave us a lovely little summary here in Mark chapter 16 about how we might correct that. And I just want to read this to you here. 
This is from Jesus Christ, and this would be his instruction. It was his instruction to me, but it's also his instruction to you. In chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You go and you tell them all the reasons to believe. You go and persuade them. And he said that he believes that his baptized should be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. Make it clear what the distinction is. You're able to know about your belief. And that's backed up in verse 17. And these signs will follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils, they'll speak with new tongues. They'll speak with new tongues. For all the people who just sort of stood here, that was actually the real thing that's made the difference. They received the Holy Spirit, they got a connection, so they can learn of God, and he's a teacher to them. It goes on to say, the other helps, they'll take up serpents, if they drink any deadly thing it won't hurt them, and they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. There are gifts of healing. There's episodes of that, and that's why we keep believing for those things. But as Nick said, he's believing for the eternities, and that's what he's become persuaded about. Verse 19, it says, So after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. It says, And they went forth and they preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. If you want to have faith, you want to have the Lord working with you and confirming with signs following. Just a last summary statement here. Actually, Hebrews chapter 12, you could, you could go through and do a study of all the, the, the hundreds of things about faith in the Bible and the stories that go along with it. But if you're new along with things here today, you're able to have an experience with God today. You're able to know and connect with a Lord who's alive, actually does things in people's lives. That knowledge that you build, that'll help your confidence. And that will keep you persuaded. In other words, you'll be a person of faith. You'll be able to say, I know who I've believed and I'm persuaded he is able to keep those things I committed to him. He's able to do those things. Who does all of that for us? And you're able to connect with him today. You, afterwards you'll be invited, you're able to come and get baptized. You can have prayer and receive the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 12 just in verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus. He says, he's the author and the finisher of faith. He's the, he's the beginner and, and, and he'll be the end of it all. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. If anybody had faith, it was him. What's, what's going to be the outcome here? So despising the shame, and he sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. And he's able to still work with you. So folks, today we thank those people who, who talked about just things in their own life. And as will typically happen, after they talk about those things, then a whole heap of other things come into their mind as well. And maybe some things have come into yours. Be persuaded. Grow in the knowledge of God. Keep yourself connected. 
with the Scriptures, that is, with the Word of God. Keep yourself connected with God Himself through the Spirit. Keep yourself connected with the people of God. And in the end, we won't fail of our faith. Amen.